you're not going to really get a close relationship with your child or um, a child who is truly taking in the values that you want them to. They are merely complying. They're doing it just to not get in trouble at that moment. This week, what should parents do to prepare for their newborn baby? Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in. Stay tuned. You don't need a special occasion to give your spouse flowers. In fact, it's probably more special to get them flowers just because. If you're still not inspired, how about if we can save you $10 on your flower purchase at bloomnation.com? Use the promo code GETHITCHED with BN10 at bloomnation.com, a marketplace that connects you with your local florist wherever you reside in the country. Again, use the promo code GETHITCHED with BN10 at bloomnation.com to save $10 when you want to surprise your spouse with flowers. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again with the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, Karen, for those tuning in for the first time, is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years, and she is going to take all that wisdom and share it with you today. Uh, Karen also has her own podcast on the Sex Talk Radio Network called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship, and we today are going to talk about what couples should know before their first child arrives. And before we enter this topic, I want to put it out there. Um, those who listen regularly know that I do not have children. Uh, so I just want to state that up front. Uh, but Karen, you do. I do. I have um, and grandchildren. Yeah. So uh, there is an expert on the panel. Um, I am just a outside observer <laughs> in this regard. Uh, but I would like to think that I do have some ideas and thoughts on this. But uh, with that all being said... Uh, let's get into this one, Karen. Um, so this, I don't have to be a parent to know having a child is a life altering event. (laughs) Yes. Um, but I would like to focus on how new parents can keep their relationship strong as they grow their family rather than, you know, parenting styles and tips Mm -hmm. and advice and stuff. Uh, so what is your best piece of advice that you can give couples before they have their first child? I, my best piece of advice, since it's about the couple and not the child or parenting, is for them to really learn how to communicate well with each other beforehand, because it is a life-altering event, and there's going to be uh, lots of stress um, and um, lots of uh, shifts and learning curves. And if they haven't learned how to communicate well before, then um, it's really going to be a problem once the baby comes. Okay. And one of the things that we have discussed in the past about having kids is the fact that having kids seems to amplify what's going on in your relationship. And so I'm I'm assuming if a couple doesn't have good communication skills prior to the child arriving, it's going to amplify that then? 
Well, yes, it's going to amplify it. And not only that, but because there are additional factors that are going to present themselves that you didn't have when you didn't have a child, if you don't know how to communicate well, then you're going to really find yourself um, having a lot more trouble because now you've got these additional issues that are really going to wreak havoc between the two of you. And I, and I don't mean to make it sound so doom and gloom, but obviously, um, you know, just pretend that you had a new job and, you know, there was a learning curve and there were things you're uncertain about and certain discomforts that you have. If you don't have the ability to communicate well about that, it's going to make the situation even more difficult. So, in the same way, um, having a new child is going to present new challenges and things you've never done before. Um, plus, there's a lot of emotions and things like that. And if you, as I said before, haven't learned how to talk to each other or how to address your feelings, then, you know, it's going to make it extremely difficult, you know, once you've got this new situation. Mm-hmm. And this taking a slightly different tact, uh, so not necessarily the best piece of advice, um, but what is the biggest or most common mistake that you see uh, from new parents? Well, I, I I don't know if I would say um, that this is the most common. So I'm going to discuss this in two different ways. I think one of the things that would concern me the most is when a couple is having difficulty mm-hmm. and think that they should have a child because that's going to make things better. Mm. And that's going to help them connect. You should never have a child for that purpose. That is not going to help you connect. And as I said, there is um, there are so many challenges with having a child. Um, it's going to really end up being much more difficult for the relationship. But so it, it's not going to help the relationship. And, and that would be a very, very big mistake. Children should be brought into the world because you want the child and because there's love going on, not because you're trying to heal the relationship. Um, so that to me is, is a major concern. Um, and then of course, you know, the biggest mistake is not anticipating what life will be like. Now you can't possibly anticipate everything, but going into it, not realizing that, you're going to have more expenses, that you're going to have less sleep, that there might be certain um, issues around the grandparents, that um, you may need extra help. So not setting yourself up with some kinds of discussions for what possible changes there are going to be, I think would be um, a big issue as well. Mm, Okay. So is it that, do you think that, uh, couples parents underestimate then how how i guess life altering having a kid is i think you know you know people could say something like well you know i know it's going to be a change but you know babies are wonderful and this and that and i i don't you know there there are some things in life that until you actually live it you don't realize what it's really like um let me give you, and this is an extreme example, but mm-hmm. but I think it'll make the point. I truly, truly believe that a lot of abuse of babies occurs not because, and we'll say mothers now, because being traditional, a lot of times the majority of the caretaking 
is placed on the mother because a lot of mothers are just exhausted. They don't have the kind of resources they need for help and they haven't anticipated what they need and they don't know what to do. And so in that kind of a situation, it's almost like a perfect storm. And so if you've got a difficult baby and there are some babies that are just easygoing, you know, they're born that way. Mm -hmm. They fall asleep easily. They feed easily. They are on the changing table and they're easy to change. And then you've got other babies who have a disposition that are a little bit, there's actually studies on this. Their temperament is a little bit more difficult. So they fuss all the time. They don't nap. They, when you put in, them in for a nap, they cry. They won't sleep a long time. Um, they have a difficult time when they're feeding. You have a baby like that with a mom who is exhausted because she's not getting enough sleep. She doesn't know what she's doing. She have she has young, vibrant parents who are off in different parts of the country living their lives. So she's not getting any support from them. And you put that together and it's really very understandable that when that baby is crying, 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 all of a sudden she doesn't mean to, but she's shaking that baby. And then you have shaken baby syndrome. So, you know, again, that's why I'm saying, I think that if you don't know what to expect and you don't realize that you could be vulnerable and sort of set, you know, set up beforehand, what might this be like and what do I need to have to, you know, in order to help myself, then it, it could be a problem. Mm, okay. Uh, was that scary as I described that? Because your response <laughs> sounded like, oh, but, but that's, but that's what happens. And what I'm basically saying to you is that these are not bad people. Yeah. You know, these are people who it, it's just a matter of circumstance. Well, we do know too, that when you have that level of exhaustion, you, you literally are not thinking straight. Absolutely. Uh, your brain is not functioning as it would with proper rest. So uh, I, I mean, it does make sense. And I was, it is a little grim, but it's understandable. I mean, I think you painted a very good picture of how a circumstance like that could transpire. Right, right. Um, but yes, and and so yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah, uh, and if you, I'm going to add one more piece. Sure. You have the kind of mom who feels a little insecure about herself and feels like, well, if I have to ask for help, you know, something's wrong with me. Or, you know, um, I can really do everything myself or whatever, then that becomes another factor in putting herself in a situation where she's more vulnerable. Mm, okay. Uh, I, I want to move on really quick. Okay. Um, so the the CDC, the uh, Center for Disease Control, updated mm -hmm. their numbers recently. Uh, which showed that the new average age of women in the U.S. having their first child is now just over 26 years old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think that having a child um, at 26 or older changes the experience of past generations when we know it was younger? I mean, just in 2004, I think the average age was like around 24 years old. So mm -hmm. in just a couple years, it's, it's really shot up. Um, and so if the experience is different, how or why do you think it's different? And what can we take from that? Absolutely. I think it's different. And I think it's because 
when you're older, um, you have more experience, you have more knowledge. Um, you're not doing things as much emotionally or impulsively. Um, and I think when you bring those kinds of attributes to the situation, that it makes for a better experience. Um, generally, also what we're finding is that women of this age tend to be more educated. So um, they're doing things in a more thought out way. Um, all of that is going to be a help in the decisions that they make, their decisions in who they marry, their decisions, you know, um, in whether they're having uh, children as a single mom or not. Um, it's, it's a thought out process. It's not something that's being done um, to just get out of my house, let's say, or because I just want this baby. Um, so I think that the older a woman is, uh, the more she's got experience and the ability to make decisions in a thought out, knowledgeable way. So, yes, I do think that um, that is an advantage to raising children. OK. And do you th because parents and in, in this kind of a situation would also be a little bit further along in their life stage, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, having established careers and things like that, do you think that also gives them more worry or more stress because they probably have more on their plate than if you were 20 years old and you're just kind of starting out with everything? I, I'm not sure of what you're asking me. Are you saying that I'm, you know, yeah, I, I, and so it makes it more difficult to raise the child. Not that it makes it more difficult, but that parents um, have more weight of the world on their shoulders. Well, there are more balls that they've got up in the air that they're juggling. But again, I think that somebody who is older has the ability to think things through a little bit better and to look at all the different uh, possibilities and consequences. Um, and so I'm not as concerned about the fact that they may have a little bit more on their plate. Okay. Um, one of the things about having a kid is that uh, your environment changes, as does the environment around you. So mm -hmm. um, it's it's not just that your house is going to have, you know, little cars and dolls all over the <laughs> all over the floor um but you're now going to get invited over to the homes of other parents and mm -hmm. birthday parties and maybe see your parents more the new grandparents that kind of a thing right um what's something that new parents should keep in mind as the environment around them begins to change exactly what you said, that the environment around them is going <laughs> to change and that it's going to be an adjustment. Um, and at first it might be a little uncomfortable because, you know, it is new. Um, a couple that I know um, are very, uh, like to keep things in their place and everything. And so the baby comes and they want everything to be, you know, in their place. And pretty soon they had to adapt to the idea that there were going to be toys around where they live um, because it's a baby and you take things out and, you know, you can't just keep the living area totally free of, you know, toys. Um, so that's a very small example, but 
um, you know, you, you do have to make adjustments with the baby. You do have to work on a schedule. Uh, so there's a lot of changes that have to go on. Um, your, your sex life is going to change. Um, your time of going out to dinner may change. So there's a lot of things that will adjust. And again, knowing that those things are going to happen, uh, having that expectation, though you may not know exactly what they are, I think you will be better prepared to deal uh, to deal with them. The other piece I'm going to um, put in here is that if you still continue to have some single friends, they're probably going to be sensitive to the fact that you're not as available to them as you were when you were without children or, or friends who are married but don't have children. Mm -hmm. And you might want to be cognizant of that because what often happens is now you have a child and that's all you talk about. And they may not be so thrilled with that. So just be conscious of it, that when you're with friends who don't have children, they may be trying and are having difficulty. So you know, you, you may not want your conversation to be constantly, constantly, constantly about your baby. And if you are with people who aren't married and you still want to be friends with them, somehow make, make time to still be friends with your old friends because otherwise, you know, it's, it's almost like back in high school, once girls would get a boyfriend, they would ditch their friends. <laughs> sure. So if you want to keep up those friendships, you know, somehow make some time for those friendships as well, whether it be with phone calls or getting a coffee once in a while or whatever. Um, it, it's funny that you, you bring that up because so while my wife and I don't have children, uh, pretty much I would say the majority of our friends do have kids and we do a lot of dinners with our uh, friends uh, who have kids and for them, um, it becomes adult time that they really appreciate because uh -huh. so much of their life is consumed by, you know, being parents, taking uh -huh. them to practices and helping with homework and all the stuff that goes into parenting. And they really appreciate um, having that time. On the flip side, my wife and I also recognize that their schedules aren't as flexible as ours. Mm -hmm. um, and we try to accommodate uh, the best we can to work around what they have going on. Mm -hmm. and so, That's very nice of you. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. So we, when we do dinners or something, like we will go to their place because it's easier for them um, as opposed to trying to get them to our place kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do, do things like that. And um, you know, it, it, it works. It works. Do you have any friends who talk about their children a lot? Um, I, no, not, I mean, they talk about their kids, but it's all like we, we inquire. Um, and I wouldn't say any of them are obnoxious about it. No. I mean, I think they all like, I mean, I love my friends. So I think like they're pretty love, like, you know, people get to choose their friends and, I, I think they're all pretty level-headed about it. Um, and no, I think it's all in pretty good, pretty good balance, actually. That's good. That's good. Because as I said, a lot of times people get so wrapped up in their children and they don't have much else to say. And then friends ends up feeling like, oh, you know, we go out with them and that's all we hear about. And we're, we're really not so thrilled to hear about that all the time. No, it's interesting. Um, 
so I mean, we definitely hear the kids' stories a lot, um, but they're always, I mean, I find them entertaining and interesting and different things. Uh, but I guess to my original point, a lot of them, most of them, I have found personally, you know, they are happy to talk about anything other than the kids at that moment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so um, they will tell us, you know, what the stresses of the parenting might be at that moment. And then the conversation shifts because, you know, they want to, mm-hmm. they want to shift the conversation, mm-hmm. not, not us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And I, you know, I feel like that's kind of my role in a lot of these um, relationships sometimes at least is to just be a good listener and, and, you know, help facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. That's yeah. good. All right. Um, okay. So uh, it's likely that couples will disagree on certain parenting decisions along the way. Um, almost certainly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how can a couple keep those disagreements in the context of parenting without it chipping away at their own relationship and intimacy? Well, it's going to go back to good communication and respect for one another. Understand that for most couples, the way that people parent will be some variation of the way they were parented. Um, For some people, for some individuals, it might be okay, my parents did it this way, I'm going to do the exact opposite because they really didn't like the way they were parented. But it in some way has something to do with the way one was parented. Mm. Um, and since you're two different people, you were parented differently. And so that may be where there's going to be disagreement. But if you, again, can talk to each other and, um, you know, hear out why the person wants to do it a certain way and truly listen and explain why it's important. You know, this goes back to any discussion you have where you have differences, where you want to truly hear the other person talk about why it's important to you and then come to a compromise. Um, So that goes for the same thing with parenting. Um, And again, it's going to be a little harder because you may not have as much time, uh, but certainly this is going to be really important. Uh, And we're, you know, again, I'm answering the question from the point of view of the couple Mm -hmm. and not what's good parenting. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, And so what, add add that good parenting part to it. Okay. So the good, all right. So the good parenting part would be that these discussions should not be in earshot of a child. This is when they get a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, you, It would really be better if you work together as a team so that the child can't play one of you against the other. Um, the safest way to ensure that, you know, that mom hasn't said something and now the kid comes to you is to just say, you know, did, did you ask mom this already? Um, and then, you know, if you've asked mom this, then whatever mom said, I'm, you know, I'm backing you up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you definitely don't want to fight in front of children, which is hard a lot of times because you're, you're both very heated. Sometimes it's hard to contain yourself, but you want to try hard not to fight in front of children. I don't, I don't mean having a mild conflict. We, in another episode, we talked about what is conflict, but I'm talking about, you know, real out-and-out fights, because that's scary to children. Mm -hmm. It really is very scary to them. Um, 
the other thing is that um again remembering that since you've come from two different backgrounds as an example one per let's talk about let's say the feeding experience one person may feel um no the children uh, if this is what we make for dinner this is what they're going to eat mm. and that's the way it goes otherwise they just don't eat dinner that night and the other person may feel like look they shouldn't you know not be eating and um I, I can't go along with that. So you've got to come to some kind of an understanding of why is it so important and maybe what we could do instead is give them a choice so that that way they're involved and you're letting them, you're sending the message to the child of, I respect your input, uh, but once you've made that choice, you do have to eat that. So mm -hmm. see, there's the compromise. You're not just saying um, it's this or nothing, but you've given us what you would like. And now, yes, now you have to eat that. So the point is that, again, you have a conversation between the two of you. You try to understand why it's important. Um, but in general with children, the more flexible you can be, um, the more that you show respect to children, the I think the better off you are. I think that when you take the old adage, which a lot of us have heard, do as I say, not as I do, uh -huh. or do it because I'm the parent, that you may get compliance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but eventually, you're not going to really get a close relationship with your child or um, a child who is truly taking in the values that you want them to. They are merely complying. They're doing it just to not get in trouble at that moment. Gotcha. Okay. So because I said so is not the best method. That is correct. Okay. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add I uh, in, do. in regards to <laughs> keeping the couplehood thriving? Yes, I do. I think one of the biggest areas of sensitivity is for the woman to be aware of how her husband is feeling in all of this. Now, you know, again, as I've said in previous podcasts, one of the beauties of having been doing my career as long as I have is I get to see a lot of shifts in the way life has been. And one of the nicest shifts I've seen is the involvement of men in the family, in the parenting. So when I was pregnant we never said we never said we're pregnant okay <laughs> so you know even that term is lovely and you have so many fathers now who hug their kids and kiss their kids and you know tell their kids i'm proud of you and i love you which you know when i was raised that was not something that little boys heard so all of that is terrific that can i can i yeah. can i stop really quick yeah. um i I guess I want to say that I can appreciate the we're pregnant. Yeah. But I hate that term. Do you? I, I love we're expecting. Uh-huh. But we're but he's not pregnant. But right. he's not pregnant. And I feel like that's a disservice to women because uh -huh. they're the ones that have to go through all the uh, – pardon the, my French here. But they're the ones that have to go through all the shit of pregnancy <laughs> that men do not have to go to. And for them to like take that word and own it. Oh, it drives me crazy. Uh, There's probably a lot of women listeners now who have a big smile on their face, Steve. Well, I 
power to you women, man. Like I, yeah, men just say like, we're expecting to have a child or something, not we're pregnant. That's okay. my pet peeve, but okay. I love the sentiment to your, okay. to your point. The sentiment okay. is fantastic. Okay. So anyway, um, but I think that what happens when a child is born, again, a woman is exhausted. She's tired. She's giving her all to that baby and not purposefully, but she may just not be as available to her husband. Now, there was some interesting research I read, which I found fascinating, that a woman is not as available sexually after she gives birth. And it's not necessarily just because she's so tired. It's also because in the sexual experience, what is more, and I'm speaking stereotypically now, but what is more enjoyable for a woman is the, um, the cuddling, the, um, the little touching, things like that. It's not so much the intercourse. Mm -hmm. And so when she's with her baby, especially in the feeding experience, she's getting that the baby's giving her that. And so since she's getting that, she doesn't need it from the intimacy with her husband. Well, I was going to say, we know that the, the same chemical reactions are happening right. when you talk about intercourse. Um, I, I, I apologize if I'm screwing up the proper drugs here, but I think it's oxytocin. Yes, it's oxytocin. It's the cuddling drug. Right. And right. that's the same one that gets released during intercourse as a mother bonding with her child. That's right. So since she's getting it, while she's bonding with her child, she doesn't need it as much through the intercourse. Mm -hmm. But he's not getting his intimacy because men connect through intercourse. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what's I, the so, so what's the solution yeah. to this then? Because you will, I mean, as you're talking about it, you're you're essentially describing the very common trope of married kids. Now we never have sex anymore, and now we have a husband who's unhappy. So what's what's the solution in this scenario? The solution is for the male to, which is not easy, to be able to say, I'm feeling neglected. I miss you. Uh, for the woman to be more aware, you can't change something if you're not aware, to say to him, you know, I, I notice you seem, you know, you're acting a little bit distant or something's not right or whatever. So we go back again to the way we start, started this podcast that you need to have good communication skills before this very large change in your life occurs. Now, you said, Steve, you know, um, this leads to what we find so often that there's this unhappiness that happens after a child is born. I'm going to go a little bit further. Okay. A lot of times this is when affairs occur and people are shocked like when your wife is expecting or after you just had a baby. But that's why, because, again, it's not that the person or the man is just a son of a gun and is unloving, but it's because his needs are not being attended to. And please, 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 ladies, I am not saying it's your fault and that's why it's happening. I'm talking about how different factors all play in together 
and how if we are not aware of each other and open with each other about what we're feeling, that things happen. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. I said the same thing about women who are trying to be the, you know, the super mom, don't take any time for themselves and end up in trouble that way as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not at all blaming or judging anybody. I'm just saying, please be aware. Please learn to talk to each other. Be open. Don't be ashamed. Don't judge. Don't invalidate each other. That's what's going to keep you close and connected. Yeah. You're not giving anyone permission or judging. No. You're no. essentially just offering an understanding of why these things transpire. That's correct. That is correct. Yeah. Um, well, that is uh, amazing information, Karen. Uh, I think we did this topic justice for now. Um, I'm afraid of the uh, responses we're going to get to this podcast. No, is she kidding? <laughs> no I think it was, pro- I think it was um, provided in a very level-headed understanding manner so i think okay. it'll be i think it'll be good um okay. and if you think so if you agree if you're out there listening um let us know we would love to hear it um and if you <laughs> are going to uh, rake us over the coals we are fine to hear that as well because yes yes because we if not, know. then we're going to help clarify it yes yes and we want good communication so uh communicate why you think that is and then we'll try it again uh, at a different angle. Um, but with that, we will wrap this one up. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. So I want to remind everyone, you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over three decades. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And if you want to continue to listen to her great advice, you can find Karen on the Sex Talk Radio Network. She puts out a new podcast of her own every Wednesday called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship. So be sure to check that out. And of course, you can find all the archives of the Hitched podcast on our website, hitchedmag.com, as well as thousands of thousands of articles um we've got a wine club we've got newsletters we've got tons of stuff so uh if you are looking for more marriage positive helpful information inspiration date ideas we got it all man we got we we cover all the bases uh check it out hitchedmag.com and uh until next time that's going to do it for us so one last time thank you so much karen thank you steve all right uh that's gonna do it take care everybody Each other's eyes, we know that it's showtime.